Hi, welcome to the Book of Medora podcast, the podcast where we talk about Zelda lore. I'm Crystal, and with me today is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Now, this is part four of our very long episode about the Wind Waker, also known as the Baton of Winds. But last time we left off, we were going to go back to the Forsaken Fortress to murder Ganondorf with the Master Sword, which we just got. But first, we have to talk about something we forgot to talk about. And um, that's the... The Triforce blocks in the castle, isn't it? Yes. Uh, you said specific, specifically after the last episode ended, Monica, you pointed out that the image on the side of the blocks used in the puzzle may have some relevance when viewed in the context of the rest of the series. And they look a little bit like the Sheikah symbol, but they look even more like a face. Mm-hmm. And hopefully one of you Twitterers will tweet this image so that people can reference it but um specifically it looks like hylia's face in the skyward sword intro oh the Mm. one with the uh crown on top while she's holding the harp aloft yes the artistic paintbrushy style because it's so the symbol on the side of these blocks these triangle blocks with three sides uh it's easy to read them as being a sort of eye but you're seeing them as like a very simplified face with hair coming down on either side. Yes, and a crown or halo. Halo light. That's pretty cool. Do you see that as being relevant in some way? Um, Triforce, therefore Hylia. Oh, just another Hylian thing. That's about it, yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Part of the really important seal that Ganon totally can't break into. Yeah, because how's he going to understand that? Now, Crystal, where did we leave off last time? We did uh, just receive the Master Sword from the Hyrule Bubbles in the bottom of the ocean. And the King of Red Lions told us to go kill Ganondorf. Well, that seems to be the most important thing that one can possibly do. So, of course, Link immediately yes. said... Yeah. <laughs> it, it, nothing is more important than that. So, of course, Link sails immediately uh, with no lollygagging straight to the Forsaken Fortress because that's where Ganon is. But there's so much to do. Like what? You can you can free roam and, you know, explore all the islands now. All the islands that you still can't interact with because you still don't have all the items. Mostly. Uh, Crystal, well, I don't how... wait till the very end to, you know, explore. Yeah, but you'll go through all the islands like five different times if that's what it takes to get everything. Yes. Crystal, how do you tend to approach completionism in a game like The Wind Waker where it's not a trivial concern to move between different areas and you might need everything in order to explore fully. Oh, I will let Eril and her friends rot in the Forsaken Fortress as I fill out my map completely and take note of which islands I need to go back to. God damn it. Okay, well, that's me told. So Link sails around to all the different islands, uh, spends what must be in about a week in game going to different places and not doing that particular thing. And then at some point he decides to maybe go to the Forsaken Fortress. I mean, it rules fine. They're not going to kill her. Yeah, they're probably not going to kill her. They wouldn't possibly feed a child to that big bird, now would they? I, I don't think the bird eats people. What the hell does the bird eat? Um, Pigeons. Moblins. We came to two very different <laughs> conclusions right there. Um, <laughs> do Moblins even have meat? They do in later games in the series, but in this one they just burst into smoke. So Yeah, they're like they're smoke. like ghosts. Well, keep like them. Uh, yeah. 
yeah. Okay, so you go to the Forsaken Fortress, and instead of it being a bad stealth sequence, now you have a sword, so you can hit the Moblins. You can hit the Moblins. Are the pirates there at the Forsaken Fortress? Um, not initially. Ooh. You have to sneak around first. Not well, not sneak no. around. Like, walk around and hit things. Okay. And then you get a hammer. Oh, yeah, you do get a hammer. Is that what you get? Okay, so when you get into the Forsaken Fortress, there's a particular courtyard that you have to go through. And as you're going through it, uh, a ghost shows up who, for all intents and purposes, looks like Ganon wearing a helmet and carrying a big sword. So nothing like Ganon. Nothing like Ganon, I guess. But it's called Phantom Ganon, and it throws energy balls at you. And you have to knock the energy balls back at it. And I think you have to run up to it and hit it afterward. Mm -hmm. And, uh... Isn't it beating Phantom Ganon that gives you the hammer? Yep. I wonder why it gives you the hammer. It was holding on to it. Why didn't it fight you with the hammer then? Is this another case in which you are specifically given a tool that you need in order to progress because it's anticipated by Ganon that you will need certain things in order to obtain the Triforce of Courage? Maybe. I think that's a good explanation. Yeah. He's not concerned. He's not going to be defeated with a hammer, so. True. Ganon probably had his minions uh, sail around the Great Sea and like, damn, some of these islands do require a big hammer. (laughs) And also, thanks to that big bird that I'm raising, nobody's getting to the top of the fortress without a big hammer. Yeah. That's true. I specifically gave my bird a hammer weakness. (laughs) Did did Ganon make the hammer? It's got a big skull on it. I mean, it's like, it's it's a skull hammer, so I don't know, it feels appropriate for phantom ganon to drop it somehow i suppose i think that skull hammer is my favorite hammer weapon in the entire series just because link takes so long to swing it but then when he does swing it he swings it at light speed and anything that he hits it makes this huge pow sound and they just go flying i like how it's just comedically much bigger than it should be compared to link's size well in, in this particular fortress, you fight a bunch of mini-blends, and the hammer is the most satisfying thing to hit the mini-blends with, because if you hit them with a vertical strike, it smashes them like pancakes, and yeah. they're like little Looney Tunes characters, and they disappear in smoke, and if you hit them with a horizontal smash, they just go flying as if you'd hit a home run, and either way, it's super great, and I hate mini-blends, so it's good to use it that way. Very, uh, it does kind of handle like a Dark Souls weapon, doesn't it? It actually does kind of handle like a Dark Souls weapon, come to think. Is Wind Waker the first Dark Souls? Wait, we already talked about this. Wind Waker is the first Dark Souls. Yeah, the trees, Lorgen's built on the trees that the Deku Tree built. Right, yes. And we're going to have to cover that whenever the uh, Switch version of Dark Souls comes out. That'll be the episode after... Is Phantom Ganon the first time uh, Ganon or one of his avatars is shown to dual wield? Wait, Phantom Ganon has two swords? I thought he only had the one. I think it's just the one. Oh, yeah, maybe that's only in Hyrule Warriors then. I You're right. Wait a second. You've been paying attention to Hyrule Warriors? I I want to get Hyrule Warriors Definitive Edition. Oh yeah. 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 That's definitely one way to experience the story of Hyrule Warriors once you get your Switch. Okay. So, you've got your hammer and you fight your way through the Forsaken Fortress and lo and behold, you eventually make your way back to the room where Errol is caged. Just like you had done way back at the start of the game. Except now you've got a big old sword and a big old hammer. And when you come in, is that when the pirates show up? Yeah. Tell Link's, me about that. Link still can't open the door. So the pirates show up and Tetra's like, you know, we had to scare that big bird off for you. And um, they open the door and the other girls 
are abducted by the pirates because they're going to be um, ransomed, ransomed, yeah. ransomed off to their families. And, oh, Tetra will do you a good one and, you know, take Errol back home. <laughs> Supposedly. The funniest thing about this cutscene is that Lincoln and Rill are plainly small enough to just fit through the wooden bars. <laughs> they super Link is like are. struggling to bend these wooden bars, even though he has a sword, but he doesn't even need that because he can just walk in. You have yeah. to you have to pretend a lot when you're uh working with Wind Waker's visual style, I guess. It's like, well, I mean, Arrow could be like, the real reason I didn't leave is because there's monsters out there. And it's better in the cage because they can't fit through it. Except a lot of them probably could. Those bars are very wide. <laughs> and uh, this is also when Tetra recognizes the the master sword that Link's carrying. Yeah. What does she say about it? Um, she she basically says something like, "Is that?" And then it can't be, or like, "Oh gosh, you know, how could this be?" Or something like that. Yeah, it's like this is the first moment at which Tetra actually gets an understanding of what you represent walking around carrying the damn thing. But that does mean that she knows what to look out for, too. Somebody has taught her, probably her mom. She knows all the signs of the hero, so to speak. Yeah. Okay. So the pirates kidnap the other two girls and rescue Errol. Errol doesn't want to leave, but they towed her off like a sack of potatoes anyway. And then the bird shows up, and the pirates were not quite as thorough in chasing it off as had been previously assumed. Now, if I remember, during this sequence, the tower starts to fill up with water. Why did that happen? Give you urgency. Right, but is it like, is this chamber underwater, or is it just never explained? There's a grate. I don't think it's explained. Okay, so they just pump water in there. Yeah, but they must be like several, several meters above water, like several floors above water. Yeah, that's why they got a pump. What were you saying, Crystal? Well, it's kind of like a recreation of the flood that Ganon is doing in Mockery <laughs> of the Goddesses. Oh, not really how I would have gone with it, but yeah, okay, I can see that. Mockery of the flood I mean, as you flooding this chamber. As you run up this spiral staircase, being screeched at by a giant bird and kicking bacoblins into the water to drown, or sometimes also, they're smashed. Put a, like it really feels like Ganon designed a dungeon here for Link. Yeah, absolutely. He puts in this obstacle course, and then there's these enemies that are either destroyed by the environment or by the giant bird. And, uh, yeah, the idea that Ganon assumes that the hero will show up because now he is free, and of course the hero will appear, kind of lends a different tone to the entirety of the Forsaken Fortress, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Link manages to get to the top of it, and then the top of the tower closes off i think it also uh, does so with a form of grating and then it's time to fight that damn bird and the way you fight the bird is of course using ganon's hammer to make to break the uh hammer weak mask and then you wail on its face and you kill ganon's pet bird i always feel bad for it do you yeah it kind of goes down as if you uh, okay why do you feel bad for it if I remember right, it spews a lot of feathers around. Yeah, you definitely knock the holy living shit out of it. Yeah. Well, I and like mean, it desperately flies into the air trying to get away, and then it puffs into smoke. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then it drops his heart, and Link jumps up and down in celebration. Yeah. <laughs> then he picks up its heart and adds it to his own strength. Do you think that heart? Now it's time. Go Sorry, ahead. Go on. No, you go ahead. I'll remember. It's time to confront Ganon. Is what I was going to say. Oh, okay. I was going to ask if the uh, heart containers still read as if they were a symbolic thing representing the growth of Link's strength, or do you take them as being concrete at this point in the series? 
No, I do believe they contain the essence of the boss that he just killed. Oh. And he is absorbing it to, to grow his strength. They frequently pop out of the boss or a part of the boss. Right, but you see them as being an in-canon thing and not a uh, representative thing. Um, I guess I don't really see it as a, a canon thing. Because Crystal's like, saying it's a canon thing. So when Link like does a puzzle to reach a chest to get a heart piece, what's what's in canon in that chest? Nothing. Um, a sense of achievement. <laughs> the real treasure was the lessons we learned along the way. No, I think heart pieces are just the thing that exists in Zelda. Oh. Like when Link cuts the grass, he's 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 eating the essence of the grass <laughs> of the grass's life. It's like food, but more abstract. Okay, so what's with the lack of hearts that you can pick up in Breath of the Wild? Spiritual melee. Uh, hmm. The curse. <laughs> yeah, the curse. Yeah, we'll go with the curse. It's time to fight Ganon. Malice. So you get over to the big tower where Ganon is, and you go in, and actually it's been a little while since I've watched this scene. Monica or Crystal, could either one of you uh, give me a quick refresh on what goes down here? Because I know the basics, but the specifics escape. I can do it. So Gandorf has his back face to Link, and he's looking out to the sea, and he introduces himself um, and says, my name is Ganondorf. And I guess, you know, that's... Is that the first time they say Ganondorf in this? I think it is, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he introduces himself as the master of this um, fortress and says, by the way, boy, when you drew that sword, did you notice, you know, that the monsters in that castle started moving again? Do you understand precisely what that means? I highly doubt you do. Um... And he clarifies that it was a sort of key that um, has kept um, him locked up, or rather him and his magic sealed up. And Link has um, undone that seal. So basically, in drawing the Master's Sword, Link has unleashed the real terror that they were fighting against the entire time. Yes. And Link's response is to charge Gandorf, because of course that's, <laughs> that's, the only that's thing. what you do. That is absolutely what you do. And um, he's immediately defeated. Well, I think defeated may be the (laughs) wrong thing to say here because he does get a swing off. And he's just left staring at the sword and then at Ganon. And Ganon's like, well, that didn't work, did it? How do you propose to defeat me with a blade that does not sparkle with the power to repel evil? And so this seems to provide an explanation for why the Master Sword is weak. Because its power was drained in keeping Ganon's true power sealed. Yeah. That, that, that seems to be the easiest way to read the situation. And I know we talk about how this Ganon, Ganondorf is you know charitable and doesn't necessarily want to kill the kids, but he's totally about to kill Link. Yeah, he does pick him up by no, the he neck. Smacks no, he's, he pulls out his sword. Tetra, huh? who shows up by the neck and chokes her. Yeah. He's like, oh, it feels so good to just start killing people again. And I, I do love murder. <laughs> I am an evil man. He is an evil man. And that's... Isn't that when the Triforce of Power starts to glow? When he has Tetra in his grasp? Mm. Yes. There's a resonance. Yes, it does. Because Tetra doesn't have the entirety of the Triforce of Wisdom at this point. But she does have that piece. Seven-eighths. Seven-eighths of the Triforce of Wisdom. And the Triforce of Power starts to glow in Ganon for just a moment. 
notices this and loosens his grip. And does Tetra kick free or does the uh, rescuer show up? The Rito show up. Yeah, the mailman shows up to rescue them. Or That's not right. even the mailman, but the prince. Yeah, Kamali. And, is it also the mailman? Yeah, there's two of them. Yeah. yeah, Kamali and we're going to say the mailman smash through the window, grab Link and Tetra and beat feet. And Ganon's like, what? How? It? And then he looks out the window and Valu is there. And in what might be, when I was a kid, my favorite sequence in the entire game, Ganon just stares at Valu like, are you fucking kidding me right now? And Valu unleashes this torrent of fire that just basically torches the entirety of the chamber that Ganon is in and also the entire, we'll say, building that he's inside of, and everybody flees through the air. That's for Volvagia, bitch. (laughs) Yeah, because Ganon did that to Volvagia. (laughs) But I think it's interesting because this is the first time in any Zelda game that a god has been active in that particular way. You kind of get the impression... In almost every other game of the series, that gods will not act against the great evil, but Valu throws that shit out the window. I mean, he doesn't really do much against Ganon, but distract him for a second. Well, I mean, blasting him with the whole thing of dragon's fire is a lot more than any other god throughout the series has even tried to do. Nobody else has ever fought Ganon, ever. Right. So that's still something. In the conversation afterwards, um, Valu does say that's, you know, all that fire didn't really do anything. Does Valu say that? Yeah, in ancient Hylian. Oh, okay. To the king. Right. He says, oh, well, gave it my best, but uh, Ganon, you know. And king's all like, yeah, Ganon, I know. So at this point, uh, where is it that they had this conversation? I remember it being at the Tower of the Gods again. Yeah, Valu is yep. perched on the Tower of the Gods. Okay, so they talk at the Tower of the Gods about what to do next, because without the Master's sword being at its full strength, they have no way to fight Ganon. They decide, since Tetra's there, only fainted, they're going to go down and talk about something important. Yeah, and it's just going to be Link, Tetra, and the boat. So they go back down into old Hyrule, and down deeper into the chamber of the Master's sword, and... This is a pretty cool sequence because it's one of the only time... I think it's the only time in the whole game where you just get to run around a little bit with Tetra. And you can talk to her. And you can get her pictograph to uh, make a Nintendo gallery figure of her later. Yeah. So if anybody's listening to this before they play Wind Waker, make sure you get a pictograph of Tetra here because this is your last fucking chance. And you go down into the chamber with the Master Sword. And that's when the story takes a little bit of a turn. Crystal, could you describe this next sequence to us a little bit? So, uh, the stone appears in Link's hand, and a voice says, Link, come to the Master Sword room. We have we have important business. And you go there, and it's the King of Hyrule. Long dead, though he He explains that Tetra is actually the Princess Zelda. Uh-huh. So, we've got this thing where the King of Hyrule takes this person with an established identity, and because she fits within the royal bloodline, says, no, 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 you're Zelda. Yeah, what you are now doesn't matter. It's what your ancestors were. It's what you are destined to be. And I think that may actually be something that the king says to her about her fate. Let me see here. 
The uh, stone the Tetra carries is also identified as an enhanced version of the Gossip Stones. Yeah, and it's it's funny because he talks about the Gossip Stones being long spoken of in the legends of the Hyrulean royal family. So I can only suppose that by the time it, you know, he came along, the the original version had really stopped uh, being around. And. At this point is when the king begins to describe to Tetra about the exact meaning of her heritage and what that's going to mean for her going forward. Specifically, that the pendant that she wears is a fragment of the Triforce of Wisdom. And that... There's a line that he uses here that I always think of with regards to the king's King Daphnis Nohansen Hyrule's relationship with Tetra and with the entire line of people that come after him. The specific line that he says is, You too must abide by the laws of the past, and so the time has come for me to teach you the fate into which you were born, the very reason that you live. And it's difficult to parse this in a way that doesn't paint the king as taking away the entirety of Tetra's identity. Well, the best read of it is that, you know, it's, um, what's that whole thing? A monarch's right to rule, but the responsibility to rule? Noblesse oblige? Yes. I don't know. (laughs) But that simply, you know, she is of this royal bloodline, but it comes with more obligations than it does privileges. Well, that we could spend multiple episodes talking about how fucked up it is to push that kind of burden on somebody who doesn't understand what that means and doesn't exist in the context of a society in which there is an understanding of monarchy in the first place. And also, she's her own fucking person. Yeah. No, it's definitely a, a problematic thing. And they put together the Triforce of Wisdom, the last piece of which he has been carrying. And when he does this... Tetra undergoes a physical transformation. She loses her tan. She does lose her tan. Uh Uh-huh. She gets eyeshadow. She gets a lot of fucking makeup, actually. Her hair's down. Her voice jumps up two octaves. Yep. And uh, now she's in a pretty frilly dress that's not useful for any fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that's not a comfortable sequence in a lot of ways. Even her, like speech pattern changes she's not she's not as uh as sassy as she used to be yeah you really get the impression during this sequence that the enormity of what she's being confronted with and the fact of the king of hyrule addressing her is sort of browbeating her into a very different mode of speaking she's and the king mentions that's too dangerous for tetra to join him and link on restoring the power of the master sword even though she has been a pirate for quite a long while. Even though she fucking tried to kick Ganondorf in the face not half an hour ago. And has successfully evaded yep. him for years. Years she's evaded him. Well, all her life, really. Yeah. But yeah, she's going to sit in this place because this place is the safest uh, spot to be. And, uh, oh boy, there's something about that. And then the statue rolls over, sealing her in, probably cutting off her airflow. <laughs> How do you think she eats in there? She doesn't. I mean, there's... And how long was Link gone? Uh, I think the assumption is either that she has her own food, that she's not down there for very long, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or 
that Link is only gone for a little while. Given everything that Link's about to go through, I think most likely she either wasn't down there for very long or she brought her own food. But that's just my reading of it. How do you... What, 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 what are your thoughts on this particular sequence here, Crystal? Just this whole fucking thing. Uh, it's it's bad. It's not good the way that they t- treat the character of Tetra. Yeah. I do want to talk about another one of the King's lines, though. Uh-huh. It's how he describes the destruction of Hyrule. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's hear it. <clears throat> Once long ago, this land of Hyrule was turned into a world of shadows by Ganon, who sought to obtain the power of the gods for his own ends. My power alone could not stop the fiend, and our only choice was to leave the fate of the kingdom in the hands of the gods. When the gods heard our pleas, they chose to seal away not only Ganon, but Hyrule itself. And so, with the torrential downpour of rains from the heavens, our fair kingdom was soon buried beneath the waves, forgotten at the bottom of the ocean. So. he This, this is the first time the flood is explicitly attributed to the gods. Yes, but... It would also make sense, wouldn't it? The, nothing but the gods could possibly bring down such a torrential downpour. I have another line to bring to our attention. Okay. And that's a bit earlier on in this conversation. Uh, can you... um, when the king introduces himself and says, yeah, I was the king of Red Lions. He says, there was no need for me to reveal my true identity to you so long as that blade, the Master Sword, could defeat Ganon. So... You know, on if the Master Sword, if Link actually was able to successfully kill Ganon, then that really calls into question, what would the king have done? I assume that he would have gone away. Well, I mean, the, the Triforce of Power would be kicking around. Probably would have taken it. Yeah. Wouldn't you? It does imply that the King of Red Lions would not have burdened the children with this information if they could have just killed Ganon. It's another particular example of his paternalism. Right. So I think he probably would have taken the Triforce of Power and fucked off. Hmm. And just never told them about Hyrule in more detail or Zelda or anything like that? Yeah. Because interesting. I think that if possible, he would have wanted to protect the children from the truth, if you will. But failing that, truth becomes an instrument by which he confers obligation. Yeah. Yeah, he is a king. Monica, do you have any particular thoughts on this sequence with relates, relation to its treatment of Tetra? Um, I do feel like it's got problematic elements, which probably completely were not caught by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't read it that harshly for whatever reason. Probably because there's a lot of problematic stuff everywhere that what? this barely kicks it on the register. Like I know it's been really. Um, pull to the forefront of everybody's attention these days when we talk about Wind Waker, but I don't know. King means well. King's got a lot of freaking pressures. I read it as being a sort of sequence where you're not supposed to view the king kindly through this. This Hmm. is an... I would read the scene more harshly if it didn't feel to me like an act of violence. Not exactly a violence, but an act of erasure against Tetra's identity. And it feels like it's supposed to read like this really wrong thing. It's not presented as being empowering or even right that the king 
forces this role upon Tetra. She's left bewildered, and Link is similarly left bewildered, and they're both just kind of carted along by this much stronger personality. Well, yeah, I I guess part of the reason why I don't read it harshly is that the the game, the larger workings of the story, you know, set things right by the end. Tetra about, is Tetra at the end. How about him getting rid of that fucking tan, though? Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, there's particulars to that sequence that... Uh, maybe are different looking to western audiences than they would be to non-western audiences yeah, do you think it's just like do you think nintendo just thought like oh the commoners have a tan because they work in the farms but the, the royalty is all pale that is almost ex- probably exactly it yep but the way that that reads to an audience that has uh more varied shades of people in it can be very different Anyway, so at this point, the King of Red Lions informs Link that what they have to do is restore the power to the Master Sword. Now, in this case, the King of Red Lions and his knowledge of Hyrule's past is very useful because he knows the means by which the power might be restored. And that involves the sages of earth and wind. His line is that uh, the fact that the Master Sword lost the power to repel evil suggests to me that something has happened to the sages who infuse the blade with the god's power. So, so it's not, it's not even just that they they have to restore the sages, it's that they were supposed to be actively keeping up the power of the master sword but something happens. Right. So we have to go check it out. And actually this is um an interesting line because he does point out that of course, you could travel across Hyrule to get to these temples, but Ganon's really sealed the whole place off. He's erected some sort of magical barrier down here, so we have to go above the waves and get to the entrances that are over there to enter the temples instead. And you could basically enter them from the mountaintops. Yeah. Oh, so the temples are in Hyrule. Yes. Huh. And the, this barrier is 100% Ganon magic. Yes, this particular one. Hmm. But uh, we also... When is it that we determine that we need to obtain the arrows of ice and fire? That's the next thing on our list, right? Yes. Well, you can't get into the temples. There's specific barriers. One is really windy. Right. And the other one is um, covered by a giant rock. Yep. And so you have to go get the treasures that are in the burny place and the freezy place yeah and you know there's one place that you really haven't gone to yet which is um not uh travelable by by sea you have to warp there oh yes but no before that happens oh okay uh the first time you you get um back to the ocean um the king of red lions also um, mentions that he mentions the hero of time and asks if link knows the legend Let's pull up that part. Uh, Link, do you know the legend of the Hero of Time? Once long ago, he defeated Ganon and brought peace to the kingdom of Hyrule. A piece of the Triforce was given to the Hero of Time. That's not quite how it was, but he kept it safe, much as Zelda kept hers. That sacred piece is known as the Triforce of Courage. When the Hero of Time was called to embark on another journey and left the land of Hyrule... He was separated from the elements that made him a hero. It is said that at that time, the Triforce of Courage 
was split into eight shards and hidden throughout the land. Even I do not know where they rest, but this much I do know. They lie hidden somewhere in this great sea. So the king seems to have a very different understanding of what happened with the Hero of Time than what we as third-person observers might. Yes, and of course, when Wind Waker first came out, we didn't really know what the cause of this whole thing could be concretely. It could have been him going off into Termina, I suppose, because the split timeline wasn't quite established at that point. But, you know, looking back, we know this is... The Triforce remained behind, and Link left forever, not because he went on another journey, but because he got sent back in time. And I think this is really a key moment where we realize that Ocarina of Time Zelda never told anyone else what she did. Never. Not anyone. Not even her own descendants, of whom, I assume, Daphnis is one? Yes. And... You know, she, therefore, was the person who took the Triforce of Courage afterwards and hid them in strategic spots and apparently had enough foresight to know that, you know, it's going to be a windy issue. Let's code these with things that the Wind Waker will <laughs> will um, unlock. This whole circumstance kind of illustrates the depth of Zelda's foresight when she's able to predict not just that Ganon will return, but also that the hero will not appear. And also that when the time comes, the specific trials that will have to be addressed will be of a kind... Well, you get enough evidence here to assume that every single trial that you go through in order to pick up pieces of the Triforce of Courage are done because they were set up by Zelda of Ocarina of Time. And I I'm not considered that Zelda might have inherited the Triforce of Courage and intentionally hidden it. I guess I just assume that they split up on their own. Well, they were definitely hidden in strategic parts. They're not just in the environment. Right. They're right. in chests and the chests have specific charts and guards. And guards in some instances. And I guess a lot of people, you know, especially as little kids, really hate the idea of Link being sent back in time. Right. In Ocarina of Time. They see this as, I get to be a cool adult, and now I have to be a kid again. But it, I think it really shows that her decision was, you know, sort of a selfish one, in that she wanted Link to enjoy his childhood and a land that wasn't totally screwed up at the cost of, you know, potential suffering of her and her people in the future. I think that maybe it wouldn't have been at the cost of potential suffering, because if Ganon showed up as long after his sealing as he apparently did, Link would have died of old age by then anyway. The only thing is that she wouldn't have had necessarily had the opportunity to take the Triforce of Courage and hide it. If she hadn't hidden it, then Ganon could well have found it when he returned. It depends on how you read Link's coming back. If you read it as each Link being totally separate, as I know Ken and, uh, Cameron, you do, um, then, of course, yeah, you can read it that way. But if you read the Link's having some sort of a, a chain, um, as I do, even though it's not a, a one linked by blood, then, you know, something was disrupted. I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I definitely am of a mind that the... 
the breaking of the Triforce of Courage somehow disrupted the passing of the hero spirit. Yeah, see, I think Monica holds that it was probably Link going back in time that disrupted it rather yeah. than the Triforce of Courage. Because at this point in the series, the Triforce of Courage has not been intrinsically linked to the Hero of Time or his bloodline. And that's not done until, I think, Twilight Princess. Either way, I mean, a, a Link was supposed to show up when Ganon broke out um, for the Flood. And he didn't. 15 years ago, we never really connected the dots that it was Ocarina of Time, Zelda, who had most likely broken apart the Triforce of Courage and hidden it in anticipation of the catastrophe that would be incoming. So that's a pretty cool way to expand one's understanding of her character. And it also kind of holds to the same sort of secret keeping and not exactly paternalism, but that same sort of... I'm not exactly sure what the... Noblesse oblige? Yeah, sure. We'll go with the noblesse oblige. The fact that she did not pass down this information to her descendants is very reminiscent of the way that Daphnis might have just kept every secret to himself. Uh, You know, maybe the reason the hero spirit didn't appear is because the goddesses stopped it from appearing. Really? Why would they do that? Maybe they wanted to do a flood. They wanted to do a flood. They were jerks. Yeah. I think Crystal's saying that the gods are definitely jerks and that Ganon should topple their thrones. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm behind that. Now, the credit sequence of Ocarina of Time does, in it of itself, establish the split timeline because there's a big party, and then after that, it cuts to Link in the past. Yep. Yep. And a lot of people didn't read it that way at the time, but Wind Waker is where the split timeline theory really got its traction because there's no way for Wind Waker to fit with almost any other game in the series up to this point. Yeah. The flood and all. But, I mean, post-Ocarina of Time, the first time we go, oh, shit, you know, there's two separate paths is Twilight Princess. Um, No, I don't think so because even back then we were having to reconcile the idea of Wind Waker versus, like, Link to the Past. Yeah, but I mean, like, games post. Oh, post. Yeah, because then there's always the people who go, oh, no, you know, this is Nintendo retconning. That has... N- oh, no, no. <laughs> of course I, it is. I almost said that's not a thing, but <laughs> that would have been All foolish. All writing is retconning, really. That would have been foolish. Um, that would have been foolish. Yes, people did definitely argue that, but I think it's... I think that... Crystal's right in, in that the split timelines were quickly established. Though I do remember people saying that that timeline ceased to exist after uh, Link stepped away from the pedestal at the end of Ocarina of Time. Yes, you do remember that. I do remember that. <laughs> God. No, it works on DBZ rules. It's been almost... Where the future always exists. It's been almost 17 years and I remember these stupid conversations. <laughs> My, my point is just that it's undeniable by Twilight Princess. I think it's Absolutely. undeniable by right now. I feel so too, but, you know, well, I'm the, cutting uh, some uh, people's There's still slack. people in 2018 who believe Link didn't appear because he was in Termina. Well, the, <sighs> uh, well, yes, true. But I think multiple timeline theories and the arguments surrounding them really exploded in the wake of Wind Waker. I remember that's when you and I planted our flag on that hill and said, here's the timeline split. This is how it works. Yeah. Little did we know, but it was a a triple split. I don't think it's actually a triple split, but, you know, we can save that for the timeline episode. (laughs) Well, even in your theories, a triple split. Oh, yeah, there's still 
Yeah, but it's not three splits from one well, It's kind of no. like a 2.5 split. Yeah. Three branches. Three. Shut up. You don't know. It could be more than three branches. Oh, God. What if the oracles caused a branch? The it's... Zelda timeline is so stupid. Oh, no. <laughs> Oracle games. Anyway. It's like a two-prong fork where you bend the handle of the fork into, like, a little loop. Uh-huh. <laughs> but... it... Oh, I got... I, I had a... Okay, we're going to keep going because I had a metaphor that would have been a lot less appropriate. What? Actually, yeah, I can just cut this part out. Yeah. Cameron, no I'm going to need you to bleep all that in editing. Yeah, I'm going to cut. I've, I've got a real good cut coming. Don't worry. Okay. All I wanted to say of this moment is that you could start Triforce hunting at this point. Or actually, even before this point, because the King of Red Lions points out, hey, you've got one of those Triforce shards. Yes, yes. And really, that's the best way to enjoy Wind Waker if you can, which is wandering around doing random shit so that you don't get all of that um hunt, triforce hunting as a um obligation later on down the line yeah he tells you about the triforce of courage now but it's not actually time to go hunting for it yet but you could you could he does tell you that only the triforce of courage will reopen the door to go down to hyrule but before you worry about that you better get the master sword yes but you could also hunt for the triforce pieces of course and people who play like you or people who play like crystal will probably have a couple of those pieces by now yes but we're 45 minutes into this episode less after editing and we need to get going okay so the is it the king of red lions who directs you to where to go next yes okay where, what does he tell you no he marks the stuff on the map but I don't remember who actually directs you to go to the Queen of the Fairies. Oh, okay. So I think that actually you may be told that you need to get the power to move through Cyclones. That you need to seek out... Is his name Cyclos? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you need to seek out Cyclos and pump him full of arrows. And he gives you the power to warp anywhere you want on the map by summoning his Cyclones. Zeph- is it Zephos and Cyclos? One gives you power over the yeah, wind. That's right. One gives you power over storms. And those are two good powers to have in this particular setting. And once you get that power, you can basically go all over the Great Sea at your leisure, including to one particular place that cannot be reached by boat. You may have noticed it if you play like Monica and Crystal, and that it's the one island on the entire map where there is no apparent way up to it no matter what you do. And this, if I remember, is the larger island in the Mother and Child Island. Yes. So, you warp to Mother and Child Island, and you end up in the middle of a, we'll call it a grotto. Fountain? It's a fountain in a grotto. Okay. And there you meet the queen of the fairies, who, for many people, is very unnerving, actually. She's very small and childlike, and looks like she's made out of solid steel. And she's also carrying a doll of one of the great fairies. And she calls Link child all the time, but then also hits on him. It's a little weird. A little weird. So, wait, does she hit on him? Yes, she says that he's just her type. Oh, because she's eternal. Uh, what the fuck ever, that part's weird. Yeah, that, that's kind of a consistent theme with the fairies. Yeah, uh, yeah, that probably the idea of... The fairies as aggressive feminine sexuality is the one part of Ocarina of Time that has remained most consistent going forward. And most of the time it's like, uh, all right, 
But in this game, it's like, hmm. Uh, anyway, so it's here that she grants you the ice arrows and the fire arrows, right? Yes. And she tells you to travel to, what are the name of the islands? Uh, I can't remember. Or is it is it not her who tells you? I don't think so. You, you just get the arrows. Okay. And then with the arrows, somebody gives you some information because Wind Waker is part of the particular school of Zelda where it's understood that players might need a little bit of direction in a game this size where sequences have to be done in very specific orders. Anyway, somebody tells you to go to this island that is basically a constantly exploding volcano and this other island that is just in deep freeze all the time. I think most players will have sailed past them at some point Mm -hmm. and gone, gee, that place is sure on fire. And the fishmen are also like, gee, I heard about these arrows. Hey, small fry, you should definitely come back once you get This is a really strange part of the game because at at this point it kind of opens up and you can do things in different orders. Like you could just go start hunting for the Triforce pieces right now. But a lot of people wait until after the temples are done and do it all at once, and then that makes it no fun. Yes. It's a little bit easier in the HD version, but yeah, the Triforce Hunt is definitely something that, for best experience, should be stretched out over the course of the entire game. But that's difficult for people who like to mainline stories, and there's quite a lot of those people out there. Like Cameron. I am not like that. (laughs) I just have a sense of urgency in some cases. Yeah, well, it doesn't help that it's really only in the second half of the game that it becomes kind of free roam like this, as opposed to the first half, which is pretty directed by the King of Ren Lions. Yeah. This kind of ties into Monica's idea that all modern 3D Zeldas should be remade with the Breath of the Wild engine and completely retooled in their progression from the ground up. Oh, yeah. yeah. I told you that yesterday. You did. I yeah, cannot... I mean, they'll make Breath Four Swords of the Wild. I can't imagine what Wind Waker of the Wild would look like, but I'm sure it would be very cool. It would be amazing. Okay, that's probably true. So you go to these two islands, and there's not really much to them, except like the skeleton of dungeons that might have been. They were absolutely supposed to be actual full dungeons, I think. Because as is, they're like mini dungeons, about a quarter of a or a fifth of full-size dungeons on their own. Yeah. And it's just a series of environmental puzzles where you fire a fire arrow or an ice arrow at the opposite island to shut down the environmental hazard for a very limited amount of time, and get through the series of puzzles and environmental tricks as fast as you can, and get the item that you need and get out on the... I cannot remember which has which, but one of them has the iron boots, and one of them has the power bracelet. And from there, you realize that you can definitely get through and go inside of the temples. But the temples are not in a state where you can progress through them meaningfully by yourself. You're going to need help. From You're stopped right at the entrance because there's a little little notation, uh-huh. musical notation. What does it say? You, you play the, the, or you conduct the melody mm-hmm. and then one of two ghosts pops up and says, hi. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of the Earth Temple, it's a sage named Laruto, who is a Zora, yep. um, who says that she offered her prayers for a long while, but um, due to Ganondorf um, stealing her soul, which seems like a very artistic way of saying, murdered the fuck out of me, Yeah. Um, I uh, couldn't continue, and you know that's kind of why your Master Sword isn't, isn't sparkling or whatever. Um, and you have to find the person who carries on my bloodline, 
Uh, she's got a harp like mine. And this was really the harder person to find. How's that? Medley's harp isn't really a key element of her character. Yeah, but you do see her with it. Yeah. And yeah, if you go over to Dragon Roost, she's playing it. Right. But, I mean, Makar pulled out his little fiddle and fiddled in a cut scene. You're so. saying his fiddle was a plot point, yes. the harp was not. Yes. Um, anyway, so I guess before she was a sage, this Zora had kids and they got to go above land and have kids. You don't know, it could have been one of her sisters. Bloodline, I don't know. Direct bloodline? Possibly. Uh, she does have an interesting line. Nothing can stop the flow of time or the passing of generations, but the fate carried within my bloodline endures the ravages of all the years. It survives. So here's another uh, example of the theme of responsibility being carried through blood. Yeah. It's the old world speaking through the sages, through the king. Yes. Saying that the new world must adhere to the old laws. It also kind of reminds me of Sheik's line about the flow of time, Mm -hmm. being cruel, and so on. Yes. And, okay, so Link knows that the person who has the harp is Medley. So he goes back to Dragonroost Island. And if I remember, you can only find Medley at night, or she asks to meet you at night. No, she's there in the morning. Don't you leave at night? No. Is that just something that happened because I always ended up going there at night by random? Because I've done this sequence like three times, and it happens at night every time. I'm pretty sure I met her in the morning. Anyway, uh, you talk. <laughs> and she talks about how how you know Kamala has been doing a lot better. He's more confident. He's like he can do things on his own without her guidance. And this is how a mother must feel, even though she doesn't seem much older than Kamali. No, they're about the same age. Yeah. In fact, he's gotten a lot taller and more strapping since we last saw him. So I can never figure out if she yeah, just that's what happens when you get confident. <laughs> You get I just the growth hormone. Can't figure out if she's just you know feels like the eternal older sister, or is she kind of in denial that he's kind of grown into adulthood? Or, or do hard th- to say. She she's not ignorant that he's sweet on her either. Yeah, she knows. It's awkward. It's kind of awkward, but it's also kind of sweet because when you talk to her, she says, "Okay, we can leave together, but we have to go now." Before Kamali returns, he cannot know where we're going. She wants to be remembered as a simple attendant. Not for what's about to happen. But no, you're jumping ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite sequences in the entire game. When this whole thing with uh, Medley. Because she's playing on her harp. And when Link greets her, she's like, yeah, music is an important part of being an attendant. And then Link whips out the Wind Waker and conducts the, what was it called? The Earth God's Lyric? Earth God's Lyric sounds right, yeah. And she gets like a a, um, a vision. She basically passes out and has a vision of herself playing the harp alongside her ancestor. And she plays the entirety of the Earth God's Lyric. I'm going to double check that name real quick. Yes, it's the Earth God's Lyric. What do you think the Earth God's lyric is? It is one half of the Wind Waker theme. (laughs) That's but like what? What's the what's the what's the lyric? What's the line? Oh no, it's not that kind of lyric. Yeah, what's what do you think it is, Crystal? There's vomit on the sweater already, Mom. Spaghetti. (laughs) That's the Earth God's lyric. Good. So who is the Earth God? We don't know. That's just the thing. We have no idea who the Earth God is. There are spirits that are dealt with. In this game, who 
we will never know because by all appearances they died with the old world or else they are still in the old world and it is their power that is being channeled into the master's sword do you think that being of the bloodline allows medley to understand old hylian is that the reason no it's not just being of the bloodline because she doesn't have a perfect understanding of old hylian she sort of understands Valu when Valu says to use the wind god's wind, but she finds it very confusing. She's still new to the language. I think it's heavily implied that Kamali's grandmother is the one who taught her the language. Okay. You're address- Monica's referencing her notes here. I'm waiting to see if there's something in here that contradicts that. No. Okay. So this is one of my favorite sequences in the game because of when Medley wakes up. Because when she wakes up, she's crying. But it's not a sad thing. It's this realization that the purpose that she's been seeking for herself, the meaning that she wants to have in her life, has been waiting for her. And it's much grander and more important than anything she could have previously hoped for. And the idea that she can give so wholly and so completely of herself to such a noble end is the best thing that she can imagine for herself. She takes it a lot better than Tetra. She does take it a lot better than Tetra, but she has a very different life than Tetra does. Yeah. She's an attendant to the gods in the first place. That she could act and do their work so completely is the complete fulfillment of what she has sought for herself from the beginning. In that sense, she is Tetra's opposite. Tetra also didn't get to have like a whole spiritual experience with their ancestry through <laughs> the music of the gods. That would have been nice. That just dances around with the king. Uh, you know, later Zelda. What if Daphne's played like Zelda's lullaby or something? And then Zelda, then Tetra has a sort of nightmare, the way that Breath of the Wild Zelda did, where she's trying to communicate with the spirit of Hylia but can't quite manage it. Yeah. 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 All right, good. I'm glad that we're all on the same page with that one. And Link and Kamali, uh, Link and Medley leave together on the King of Red Lions. But if you go back, which of course all people do, Kamali's standing there because um, he actually flew over to um, speak to Medley, and he had brought her a flower. Well, that that that's actually part of the cutscene where you leave with Medley. Yeah. Kamali trying coming to find her, holding the flower, and she's gone. Yeah, but you can talk to him, and he's like, "I've got a flower." What does he say if you speak to him? Um, something to that effect. Does he ask where she is? I can't remember the line specifically, but he's got a flower for her. And after time passes, and maybe after you're done the temple, but I I don't know if that's actually a requirement. The flower's wilted. Oh. Oh my god. That's such a tiny thing, but it's so fucking tragic. Yeah. It struck me a lot harder when I was basically Kamali and Medley's age. It's pretty sad. Actually, it strikes me a lot harder now. <laughs> I've gotten softer as I age. So you go with Medley to the to the Earth Temple, and the King of Red Lions instructs Link and Medley specifically. And the King of Red Lions says... Uh, he explains how to, how to carry Medley and throw her around. <laughs> That is essentially it, yes. <laughs> but more specific. The temple ahead is the nest of an evil creature, the same creature that stole the life of your predecessor, the sage. It is a dark and frightening place. More specifically, the line that I was trying to get to was Link, protect Medley, and Medley, protect Link. How about this part where it says, if 
Link comes near you and presses R to call you, then be silent and follow closely behind you. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty thanks, good. Oh, I'm so mad they didn't say the buttons in Breath of the Wild. Oh. They got Kiefer Sutherland to say press the action button in Metal Gear Solid V. Well, that was a mistake in several ways, but <laughs> that, if it had been in Breath of the Wild, that would have really been something, let me tell you. Oh, they never did get Zelda to say press the home button or whatever the fuck did they, even though she was telling you how to look at the Sheikah Slate. Ah, oh. No, that would have been terrible. That's a terrible idea. Anyway, they go into the Earth Temple, and the Earth Temple is... A fucked up scary place. With fog everywhere. Fog everywhere. Curse fog. Curse fog. And if you step in it, you can't swing your sword. And it's got bubbles, which our listeners will remember are the magical flying skulls that chatter. And there's blue bubbles that you can't really hit with your sword unless you blow the evil smoke off of them with your leaf. And then you can hit them with your sword. Um, and there's zombies in there. All these zombambos. And the Redeads are horrible in this. They may be the worst versions of the Redeads. Yeah. and So I think we settled on this was the Shadow Temple, the Fire Temple, and the... Uh, spirit? What's the other one? And Spirit combined. Yeah, that sounds close enough. I can see. Yeah, that, that sounds close enough. Very wind-related things. Yeah, there's some wind-related things in there. And uh, you were going to say something, Monica? Um, no. There's Shafts of Light and... Medley's harp is shiny. Oh, yes. Oh, speaking of her harp, what do you think the design on it is? Look kind of like a goat. Crystal? Uh, it, yeah, it looks kind of like if Godon was smiling. Oh, the King of Red Lions. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it's either Valu or the King of Red Lions, but I think it's more the King of Red Lions because of the beardy parts. So what does this imply here? Because that's the same version that Laruto carries. Yeah. Which means that the motif of the King of Red Lions was extant in ancient Hyrule before the Flood. Yeah. Which kind of implies that Daphnis may have taken on the shape of the King of Red Lions specifically because of its uh, significance in whatever the Hyrulean state religion was at the time. Yeah, maybe. Huh. That's pretty cool. That's what I was just wondering looking at her harp, so. The... Earth Temple is pretty cool. I like mirror puzzles. I know most people don't like them, but this 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 version of it has some real good mirror puzzles. It's got, like, chews that you can't kill unless you shine light on them and turn them to stone and then smash them with a hammer. And you get the mirror shield in here, and you can control Medley with her mirror harp. So you can set up multiple mirrors and then set up Medley to shine light at Link so you can get so many different points of light pointing in different directions. It's cool. It's a cool sequence. I like how you can control her and fly around. Yeah, that's really cool. She's I, just... I have a theory about the King of Red Lions that you mentioned. Oh. Maybe the re- one of the reasons, at least, that the goddesses flooded Hyrule is because the people started moving away from Hylia and more towards this new, uh, more patriarchal lion god. Huh. Flood the world. Flood the world. They did. They did an idolatry. I see. Why would the Triforce gods care about whether or not people worship Hylia? I don't know they care about anything. <laughs> <laughs> Who can say? Do you think Daphne is, is of the bloodline? Oh. Because we know that um, Rome isn't. Right. Uh, wouldn't that be interesting if he wasn't actually if he w- had married into the royal family and this was placed upon him for a family that originally was not his 
Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I bet even Rome is like a distant cousin of the queen. Nope. All this intermarriage. Nope, there's no intermarriage in Zelda. None of that None of that uh, weird European hot, high house bullshit going on. I'm not doing that. No, I'm talking, it doesn't even have to be weird. like a fourth cousin. <laughs> Sorry, if you can number it, it's weird. <laughs> okay. It's like, no. I, Do you but, even know your fourth cousins? Yeah, yeah, I can find them pretty easily, actually. Oh, why oh, don't? Yeah, well, it's... It, th- that's going to vary from family to family, but you know some families are a lot bigger on keeping track of each other. But yeah, it would be interesting if Daphnis wasn't by blood a member of the Hyrulean royal family because it recontextualizes his relationship with Zelda at least a little bit because she's descended from him, but he is not part of the essential bloodline, which is very much matrilineal. Yeah, which is cool. How come there's never been a queen of Hyrule besides Zelda? Possibly because all the queens are Zelda. Also, it seems like Marvel most of the dead. it seems like most of the time the default monarch of Hyrule. I guess we can get into this a little bit because it deals with some Breath of the Wild stuff. Is not actually a king or a queen. It's the princess. Right. Yeah, but there's there's a queen in Breath of the Wild. She's just dead. Right. 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 Things were going very well when she was alive. But what I'm getting at is maybe the kings are only kings. So long as their daughters are not adults. So he's the regent. He is the king regent, yes. And it's significant, I think, that Rom Bosphoramus Hyrule did not intend to treat with Zelda as a king after she returned from... uh, What is the name of the mountain? Hylia? No, no, no. no. Mount Hylia is on the Great Plateau. Sorry. um, It's Nehru's mountain. Nehru's... Anyway, from the t- from the Spring of Wisdom, Bosphoramus doesn't intend to treat with her as a king, but as her father. I think it's possible that now that Zelda is 17 and an adult to Hyrulean society, on returning, she would be the monarch, regardless of whether or not she had awoken her power. Hmm. It would sort of fit with the representations of Zelda from throughout the rest of the series, where... Unless there is specifically a king and a very young Zelda, and in some cases even when there is a very young Zelda, Zelda is the ruler of the kingdom in spite of being a princess, not a queen. Yeah. Maybe being a queen is just what a princess becomes when they marry, but the princess is still the default ruler. I guess my question is why isn't Tetra's mom alive? Oh, why why is the Tetra... Can the queen and the princess never be alive at the same time? No. An evil fortune teller. Oh, cursed. God. God damn it. No. <laughs> anyway, so Link throws Medley against a wall. Oh, multiple times. She gets real dizzy-eyed. It's really cute. It's Link good. has voice acting. What now? He says, hey, get over here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Link talks very specifically. This is after him meowing. We forgot to talk about the meowing. Oh, God damn it. Okay. Next episode, we have to talk about the meowing. Make well, a... I guess we didn't forget because it's still on, on track. We'll make it uh, a part of the wrap-up during the Triforce of Courage sequence, okay? Okay. Remember that we're going to talk about all the side questions shit during the Triforce of Courage sequence. If you could write that down real quick. Okay. What? Why are you laughing at us? Nothing. Why? <laughs> Do you like that we take notes? Is it funny to you? Are we like clowns? Something like that. Okay. Well, go ahead. 
No, I didn't have anything. Oh, you were taking the I'm about to speak breath. No. Okay. I was trying to figure out if there was anything else about the Earth Temple. Um, well, it has a lot of Gerudo motifs in it. Lots of snakes and mirrors. That's it. That's all I got. And zombies. It's got zombies in it, and it's hard to tell if the zombies are in there because of Ganon's power or not. Because Ganon's power has flooded this place. Curses everywhere and flying skeleton beasties. And I'm pretty sure there's Wizrobes in there. Wall masters? Floor masters. Yeah, there are lots of floor masters in there. And floor masters aren't very scary in this one. They're just like big shadowy hands. They're there. okay. They can grab medley, though. Yes. That sucks. Don't let them grab medley. It's a very evil haunted place. It's extremely evil and haunted. And also, you're taking Medley who can fly through the Earth Temple and not the Wind Temple, and no one is ever sure why. Yes. Yes. And then the boss? And then you get to the boss, who is a big uh, pig-looking ghosty man, made up of a bunch of little not-pig-looking ghosty mans. And you fight them with light. And they dance around. They do a lot of dancing. Do we read anything into the ghosty man? Now, obviously, this is the same spirit that killed Laruto, but what do we know about it? I can't remember how to spell its name. Jahala? Jalhala. Jal like Valhalla, but with a J. Jahala, protector of the seal. Wait, no. Yes. <laughs> this gigantic ghost rules he's, over he's all... He's a fusion of 15 pose? Yes. This gigantic ghost rules over all pose. And... It isn't solid until light is shown upon it. And when you do show light on it, uh, Link can pick it up with his absolutely absurd levels of strength and throw it into a big spiky pillar and basically explode it into a bunch of smaller pose and then beat up the smaller pose. I think the word protector here is kind of misleading. Guardian of the seal? Um, scrams Link off from the seal. Really? How do you mean? He doesn't want anyone to approach the seal. Yeah, that's what a protector is. But he's not here to protect the seal. It's the seal on the sage's power. Oh. I assume. Uh. Well, if I'm misreading that, I'm sure one of our industrious listeners will send us a correction. Because now you won't. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you kill the ghosty. And let's see. You basically conduct both medley and... Uh, after the ghosty is dead and you pick up its life force, you are able to commune with the spirit of Laruto, you and Medley both, and Link conducts for the both of them, and they play the full version of the Earth God's lyric. Is there anything from this particular sequence that we need to address? Um, the Master Sword's wings pop out. Yes. After you finish conducting, Medley prays for the power of the Master Sword, and the Master Sword's wings pop out, and suddenly it looks more like the Master Sword. It's an indicator of its sharpness. Yes. It doesn't actually get any stronger, but it's better now. Don't worry. That's it. Yep. Now, is there any particular lines from all of this that we need to know? Crystal, is there anything from the sequence with LaRuto and Medley that we need to go over? Hmm. No, they play the music. The wings pop out. They mention that some of its power to repel evil has been restored. But not uh, enough. That's about it. Okay. And Medley tells you that she will stay here. To continue to grant power to the Master Sword. And let me see. Do you think she brought food? Uh, yeah, she definitely. No, she's, she doesn't have to eat because she's a sage. Does that mean she's dead? Well, her, her soul and spirit are protected by the gods. Okay. Give me just a second here. I'm trying to look up if she says anything about Kamali when you're leaving. I think to take care of him. Oh, let me see. Hold on. It's going to take me a second. Searching Kamali is not a good... Shut up! What should I About be searching Prince then? Prince Kamali. 
please watch over him for me. Damn it. Thank you, Crystal. On to Makar. <laughs> what? Okay, so there's actually a bit of confusion that surrounds this sequence every time, I find. And that a lot of people are under the assumption that you can do these temples in either order. Which sort of makes sense because you can get the iron boots and the power bracelet at the same time. But to the best of my knowledge, Makar doesn't exist until you're finished with the Earth God's temple. The place that you find Makar... Um, you talk to the Deku tree because you need to find Makar. He's the guy with the... Wait, no, shit, I'm skipping a part. You go to the Wind Temple, and you, uh, you commune with the spirit of the previous Sage of Wind. What was his name? Fado. 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 And Fado tells... Which is the name of a character in Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Who was the girl there. Really? She's the one with the blonde pom-pom hair. Oh, interesting. Okay. Getting to that, people have theorized, um, when you examine the medallions in Ocarina of Time, apparently, the the forest medallion was apparently alternately named the wind medallion, and the water one was apparently named the ice medallion. Really? Where is this? Read it on one of the wikis. But the medallions do kind of look windy and icy. Well, more wind than ice. I see. Do we think that this is the same Fado? Sure. Why not? Sure. Blonde. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, but that it, unless they have like creepy naming schemas, like, you know, one drops dead and then the next one is the same name. That's really creepy. Well, could be, but they don't keep that up as uh, Koroks. But the Kokiri seem to be a lot more. They're not more musically focused either. Koroks are big on music. Okay. So it's the same... Uh, character Fado. Uh, I'm curious here. Give me just a second. Oh, I bring this up because people theorize that Fado in Ocarina of Time supposedly may have been um, considered as one of the sages for one of the scrap temples. This is really getting into over theory zone though. Mm. Regardless, you commune with the spirit of Fado and he tells you that you need to find the person who carries his instrument because they will be the ones to restore power to the Master Sword. He had been offering prayers to keep the sword's power going until Ganon found him. And the end result, well, you can see plainly that he is a ghost. So you go off and you talk to the Deku Wait. Tree. What? What? Um, well, firstly, he, he talks about the, the blood of the sage. The sages will, will awaken in this person. Do Kokiri have bloodlines? Not to the best of my knowledge. Or Koroks? I think they all come from the Deku tree. I guess then technically they do all have a shared bloodline. Yeah. They're all. De- I mean, I can imagine like Kokiri recycling their souls to be reincarnated. Well, I mean, they're forest, That's cool. they're forest spirits in the first place, right? They're basically two or three steps up from being Deku scrubs. Sure. <laughs> I mean, they are. Fado also talks but- about how... Um, long ago, it was always the king that conducted. Yes, he does say that, doesn't he? Yes, and that's, please tell the king I will still play, even in the next world. Okay, we're going to come back to that in just a second. Crystal, what was it you were going to say? I was saying that, like, this is like a different, like, Kokiri and their respective Koroks are like different hypostases of the same minor forest spirits. What's a hypostasy? It's it's like uh, uh, the uh, an underlying reality or substance as opposed to attributes or that which lacks substance. So it's their quintessence. 
Yes. I see. So, but so, so they recycle their souls as so the same spirit, but a different consciousness. So you're saying that Makar could be Saria for all intents and purposes. Sure. Well, probably not Saria because she has another thing going with the goddesses. Does she? I mean, it's like how Fado is not is no longer under the protection of the Deku tree. He is now a servant of the wind god. Hmm. I wonder. But being a sage isn't a forever thing. Isn't it? It seems like it. I mean, you do very much stop at some point. Well, I guess these stop. But when you die. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't that imply that in Ocarina of Time, their role as sages was done as soon as Ganon was sealed? Because there's only like two of them that you can even argue are still alive. No, they say spirity people forever. Yeah, they're, they're already they're ghosts to begin with. Right, they... And the only reason Fado dies is because Ganon stole his, his soul? Uh, Laruto claims that. Fado just says that he was murdered. Very honest. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. But, you know, that Laruto was just describing uh, the fact of being murdered. Or maybe like Fado, his ghost has his ghost can ascend to peace knowing that Makar will take his place. Sure. So you go and find Makar and you know where he is because some music is coming out of a waterfall. Right. And that music won't play unless you're uh, done with the Earth Temple. And you can ask the Deku Tree about where Makar is. And the Deku Tree is like, oh, he's around here somewhere. He's practicing for the next ceremony. But keep your ears open. You'll find him. And you can actually see the little musical notes floating out of the waterfall (laughs) if you look at it. And that's how you know that you can swing through and check inside. And you find Makar in there. He's like, I can't believe that you found my secret spot. I love Makar so much. And he's playing there because he thought the waterfall would drown out his his song. And it, you tell him no, and he's like, oh, I have to play more quietly. And then he plays more quietly. <laughs> he just play. He's, oh, I love Makar so much. I can't get over it. And then you conduct, and if you play a garbage song for him to play, uh-huh. he'll, he'll, he'll mutter, that's it. <laughs> or something like, I can do better than that. And go, oh. Did I say it within your hearing range or something? It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for you. Oh, how rude of me. I didn't mean to throw shade. Yeah, basically. Within your hearing range. Basically says he didn't mean to throw shade. Because he never names you as a bad composer. He's like, oh, I mm, I can definitely do better than that. But you play for him. And then Makar also has his little vision of himself and Fado. And they play together. It's a much cuter moment or sillier moment because at the end there's applause from who knows where and then everybody bows. Everybody, even Link. Yes, Link bows. But yeah, it's uh, that's a really strange sequence in its own way. Yes. But I really like it. So you take Makar, the greatest companion in Zelda history up until 2010, and you sail off... <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm not contesting that. And you sail off to the Wind Temple and... Makar is an interesting companion in the Wind Temple, not because he's mechanically any different from Medley. He can fly a little bit higher than she can and doesn't have the same forward momentum. But the chief thing about him is that when you control him, he plays a little jingle bell sound whenever he walks. And it's the best sound in the entire series. Yeah, he jingles. He does jingle. He's, he's a cute little waddle. Cause yeah. He can't... 
His legs are so short and stuff. <laughs> he can't he can't actually bend his legs, so instead he, he turns <laughs> he turns his entire body when he, he walks. Doesn't have knees. I, I can imagine somebody designing him just to look very, very cute and then like the person who like rigged his animations was like, How the hell are we gonna move him? And then somebody's like, Yeah, you just waddle. <laughs> It's like, oh my god, okay, but if he waddles like this, it has to make a, na- a sound. And then they put in the little bell sound, and it's like, yeah. okay, this is the greatest thing we've ever designed. And then, yeah, he flies up with this little helicopter thing. He yes, can, leaf helicopter. He can also plant seeds, and they come shooting up as, like, trees. Big-ass trees. He got that forest magic. Makar is good. Makar is so good. Makar is like a pure good in a world where very few things are pure good. Also, shout out to Fado, the first trans boy in Zelda. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm trying to think if there are any other ones. Um. Well, I mean, they don't. we don't see any of the Kokiri going forward, and none of the other characters are apparently alive for that long. This does imply some interesting things about how long-lived the Kokiri actually are. The fact that they prayed the whole time? No, the fact that... Fado was alive until Ganon came for him, even though that was hundreds of years after the events of Ocarina of Time. Same with Laruto. She was presumably praying the whole time, and she didn't have any replacement. No, 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 no. What I mean is that Fado, oh, Fado, is, in K- Fado is in Kokiri Forest yes. when Link is a kid. Fado is also around hundreds of years later when Ganon breaks loose. Yes. Actually, when you first meet Fado... Here, he says, are you the new hero? Which, to me, kind of implies that he he knew the previous one. That does seem to imply that, doesn't it? Yeah. So this is further support. Yeah. Fado would be the only person still able to communicate with the living who actually remembers the hero of time outside of the Deku tree. Yeah. Huh. And Link's even wearing the Kukiri garb. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Do they comment on that at all in this game? No. No. They do not. It's one of those things that could be commented on, but there's limited space, and it's not one of the things that super matters. And technically, he could be wearing his prophet shirt, so... I mean, or his invisible hero's tunic. Yeah, the hero's new clothes is what they call it. Yes. They're very light. So, it's interesting, though, because it seems like the Kokiri are functionally immortal, and that implies to me that the... Other Koroks may be the same Kokiri that Link knew Yeah. in the Kokiri Forest. Yeah. But there's a lot more Koroks in Breath of the Wild. Well, that's they can, not the same there can thing. be that's not the additions same. to... Different timelines. Yeah, there could be new ones, of course, depending on the power of the Deku Tree. And the Deku Tree's power in Wind Waker has to be limited necessarily by the presence of the ocean. Anyway, let's get through the Wind Temple. As the Wind Temple, I don't actually like the Wind Temple all that much. Uh, I like its verticality a little bit, but its puzzles aren't super great. You get the hookshot in here. The hookshot's really cool. Yes. And then you get through the entirety of the Wind Temple. Can you imagine Breath of the Wild with with the hookshot? It'd be good. It'd be dangerous. I wonder. If if they just made Breath of the Wild into just cause four, that'd be good. How long a range would the hookshot have? Infinite. Infinite? As far as the Switch can handle. But if it does, if as it's, far as a switch can do it without the game crashing, if you shoot it into the sky, does Link just stand there forever? He goes to the Sky Temple. No, no, no you can cancel it. Okay, so theoretically, you could be standing at the top of Death Mountain and aim at a spot on Hebra, 
and just rock it across the entire map pulled by the hookshot. Hell yeah, baby. You aim carefully and you end up into the Sanctum in Hyrule Castle. I think the fun I... Just Cause 2 is a great video game. I've never played it. Me neither. You should play it on the PC with an infinite a grappling hook mod. I'll keep that in mind. You know, a lot of people talk about the idea That's of... next ha- game club. <laughs> people talk about the idea of the hookshot in Breath of the Wild uh, solving the rain problem, but I don't think it actually would. There really should have been a hat. No, a little rain hat. Well, rain gloves even. Sure. But, like, a lot of people have problems because they think that the hookshot would allow them to get the top of very tall cliffs without being bothered by the rain. But that isn't usually what the hookshot does. Even if it can latch onto any surface that Link can climb, it still has a limited range. Going up 30 feet isn't actually all that high in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. I mean, Breath of the Wild runs has is going to run, I think, into the same problem that Assassin's Creed did, where once you get a little bit of mobility, people just want more mobility. I think it's... Until the point where you're just speeding past everything. I think it's good to keep mobility controlled and refrained, but that's me. So, this temple, and then... I can't remember anything notable about it, aside from the whiz robes. And magic trees. And the magic trees. And Link can pull over big statues by putting on the iron boots and then hooking onto them with the hookshot, which is the only time in the whole series I think it works like that. Huh. Those are real cool. And then you get to the boss. Oh, I love this boss is like the Wind Waker boss for so many people. Why is this the boss of the Wind Temple? I guess because the specific boss that you go up against in the Wind Temple is Mulgara, protector of the seal. And what Mulgara is, is an enormous sandworm. Who floods the place with sand. Yes. Why is this not the boss of the Earth Temple? I think specifically because it's a corruption of that. Oh. Or they weren't thinking about it very hard. But I'm going to go with it's a corruption of it, and you don't want sand. Or because they mashed a couple different dungeons together to make these. (laughs) Or they were like, this song is a lot cooler. We got to put it second. Oh, yeah. I mean, you guys know I'm going to put, like, Mulgara's theme under this conversation in the first place, because it's the coolest fucking fight in the game in a lot of ways, where Link fights this enormous sandworm and fights a bunch of smaller sandworms that it spits out at you and grabs its eye with the hookshot and drags it down and beats the shit out of its eye, as this particular Link is particularly wont to do. And he just kills this enormous creature and all the sand goes away and the seal on the temple is broken and you can conduct for Makar and you can conduct for uh, Fado. Yep. And Makar awakens as the sage. And the master sword, is its battery is charged so it starts lighting up. It goes, FOAM! And the, the little Triforce symbol on it lights up too. And it really sounds like it's got its its electric power back. Yeah, so. it's got this thrum to it when it kicks on. So maybe it's battery powered. Well, Sage batteries? Double S? Yes. Two Sage batteries? Yeah, sure. But now the Master Sword has regained the power that it needs to throw itself against evil. And that means that if possible, it's time to return to Hyrule. But before we can go back to Hyrule, we need to get the Triforce of Courage, which means that we're going to be doing everything else in the entire game. So, is this a good time to shift over to doing some questions? I think this is a good time to shift over to doing some questions. Where can people send us questions? They can send us questions either on Twitter, at Cam 
or at Arcane Crystal, or for longer form questions, they can send it to the podcast email at bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Once more, bookofmedorapodcast at gmail.com. Now, okay, so there are, I pasted some questions into the question document, and here's also the Twitter thing. And I'll open the email address. We do There's definitely... something in the email box. Yeah, we've got an email. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like, I, I like getting emails. Send us emails. Yeah, we love emails. Emails are the coolest. Thank you, Jordan, for sending us an email. I think Should we do the email first? It's big. Or should we save it sure. for last because it's big? I'll, I'll, however you want to do it. Okay. You're the host. You pick. Okay. Uh, well, let's do my Twitter first. Okay. Because I'm the most important. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> Uh, this first one comes in from Hoodie Skull. What if they made one where Link was the burly evil guy and a young twink blue pig Ganon was the hero? How twinky are we talking about? Like, uh, oh, I bet you can find art of this. Skinny Ganon. <laughs> Skinny Ganon? A bishy pig Ganon. Huh. I, I've Believe it or not, I've never actually theorized about a bishy pig Ganon before. I always figured he'd be like more of a bar character. <laughs> But, um, but what if they brought back Ganondorf and like he had the personality of Ganondorf, but he looked like a skinny blue Ganon? Sure. I mean, it's mostly about his personality for me in the first place. I like that he's huge and imposing and that's cool. But he can also, if he's just as powerful as he was before and still does all the same horrifying bullshit, he can look like whatever. But he needs to be a I mean, the. Go ahead. The the protagonist that killed the Calamity Ganon 10,000 years ago looked like a young twink blue Ganon. I um, I wish we could have seen ancient Link and ancient Zelda. Do that you? would have been nice. Yes. That, I mean, it, it wasn't necessary. Having a Fado and Laruto style communion with them at some point. Or maybe sure. like we get a memory where Zelda has a communion with them. Yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been cool. Uh, that would be cool if like Link like summoned... All the other incarnations of the hero spirit like called upon their power. That's really common in a lot of fantasy stories. I think it would be really doofy in a Zelda game. What if it was the final Smash move, like Mega Man's move? Oh, I, I, mm, ooh, okay, <laughs> that would be pretty good. If they, if they fucking do Twilight Princess Link again, I'll be upset. Just, just do, do, do Blue Blue Lobster Link. I think that. Breath of the Wild Link is too popular, so they, they gotta do Breath of the Wild. Crystal, did you hear okay. that Breath of the Wild is the fastest-selling Zelda game ever? I did not hear that, no. It has already, by now, outsold the original release of every Zelda game except for Twilight Princess. Damn. It is all, yeah, it's, it's a popular video game. Very popular. It's actually on track to outsell Twilight Princess, and some people think it may get as high as 10 million units. But yeah, they they and and if Smash Brothers, if they keep the Twilight Princess character designs for these characters again, I'm going to be fucking pissed because the idea that this is the default look for these characters is perpetuated by Smash Brothers. And damn it, even if they have to get rid of Ganondorf for the sake of consistency, I think that they should if it means that we get like a cool new move set for Breath of the Wild Zelda. All they have to do is you know, ping the art designer and say, hey, draw again in Breath of the Wild style, just like how you drew Sheik in mm. Twilight Princess style. Oh, it'd be so good. Oh, I want it. Oh, I want it so bad. Yeah, what if they did? What if they took the Hyrule Warriors designs? No. No. Okay. No. 
Like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, this is the best Zelda design. It wasn't the best Zelda design when it was revealed. And it sure as shit isn't the best Zelda design. There's, uh, let me think, four different looks that Breath of the Wild Zelda has that are all better than that one. I agree the Hyrule Warrior Zelda's not the best Zelda design, but I like her. She's fine for what she is, and what she is is a Musou design. Leg flaps. I like Link's scarf. Leg cuts. Oh, Link's scarf is fantastic. Yes. Monica made that scarf for me by hand. Good scarf. Yeah, it's it's double knit. It's super warm. I like Ganon's long mane. <laughs> oh, If yeah. anybody wants a scarf pattern, I can share it. Just just message camera or I, something. I am upset that they added 50 characters to that game, but they never added my boy Pig Ganon. Or Groose. Well, yeah, they really needed to. We never got Groose and we never got Lineback. Um, we did actually get a mode where you can play as Ganon, but it's giant boar Ganon, not wizard pig Ganon. Oh, that's the, that's the shitty Ganon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's probably- Ganon looks like a Pokemon. Yeah, but he's a cool Pokemon. No. He's probably got a base stat total of like 680. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure he's an Uber. Yeah, he'd probably be like one of the strong Ubers. Do you want to read the next question? Uh, I'm not sure we actually answered this one. I don't like the idea of Ganon as the hero because that, you know, kind of lessens Ganon. Ganon's got to be the big, evil, mean guy who is just bad for the sake of being bad. Well, I mean, there's two possible answers to this as I see it. Um, There's either you end up with the backstory of Breath of the Wild or you basically end up with Braid where it turns out, oops, you were the bad guy. Also, you're Ganon. Spoilers for Braid. What if it's like the Chronicles of Riddick where you're a bad guy, but you're fighting an even worse guy? What's worse than Ganon? Yeah, what's worse than Ganon? The Necromonger Empire? I think that... um, Let me tell you about the Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, wait, no, no, no. no. It's the guy controlling Master Okay, so there's another universe called the Necroverse. No, hold on. Crystal, Monica's talking about the bad guy just being taboo. Yes. from, From Smash Brothers Brawl. Okay. Because that guy's worse than Ganon somehow? Apparently. Shut up. Sure. Anyway, uh, the answer is the Chronicles of Riddick, as Crystal said. Uh, Which which question do I get next? Ben. Uh, Ben's. Okay. This question comes from Ben. What is the middle rank Legend of Zelda brand video game product? What does this mean? Hmm. Like what's a good middle tier Zelda game? Of the 19 Zelda games, what is the... The tenth best slash worst one. Minish Cap. Oh, Monica, don't say that. <laughs> We're gonna get emails about it. You're lucky. They can't yell at you, but they can yell at me. Yay. <laughs> well, here's here's my hot take. A link between worlds. Ooh. Oh, okay. That's different sort of hate mail. Yeah. Oh, I mean Actually no, that's probably lower than ten. I was gonna say the middle oh. rank Zelda game is a fantastic game. Yeah. It's ph- yeah. It, it's phenomenal. It's just not the best of the best. So like the middle rank Zelda game for okay. Here's my hot take: A Link to the Past. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, how about the Hyrule Fantasy: The Legend of Zelda? Oh, <laughs> girl, that shit ain't right. Ooh. You can't do that. Ben's gonna tear this whole podcast apart. <laughs> I think actually Monkey might be right. It probably is Minish Cap. Yay! Oh, uh, I can't play Minish Cap because I haven't actually played it yet. I do need to play it, but we've got time before we get through all these Wind Waker episodes. 
I think there's only one Wind Waker episode left. Um, I'd say there might. If if it's only one more, it's going to be an extra length episode. I have Is faith in us. No more than two. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, there's no more than two. Um, we might get to one, but I think that one would end up being at least a two-hour episode. Jeepers. Anyway. Ral asks, what if Zelda was a girl? She is. Yes. Well, I mean, Tetra's a girl. Zelda doesn't really exist in this one. Oh, you're talking specifically about Wind Waker. Oh, wait, no. This is about the Legend of Zelda brand of video game products. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Zelda is a girl. Zelda's a girl every time. It's the source of some of the best characters in the series, but also some of the worst gender politics. But what if Zelda, as in Link, was a girl? Not much would change, which is why Nintendo should really offer that option. Hopefully nothing would change. Well, some things would change. Some things. If you could play as a girl in Breath of the Wild, it would skip over a lot of the worst parts of it and recontextualize the interactions that you have with a bunch of characters. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Like, if you could just play Link... But if... If Link was a girl, then wouldn't you see up her skirt when she's climbing? Wrong a director. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I, I do like, I, like, even the whole thing where if you were just playing as a woman, even just the sequence where you take that guy's boots would read a lot different and, uh, to me, a lot more cleanly funny. It's kind of funny because whenever people talk about what if Link was a girl or the option existed, then they go... But then there couldn't be a romance with, like, Zelda. And then you're like, lesbians exist. (laughs) Lesbians exist. (laughs) You think I wouldn't ship Mifa and Link if Link had the option of being a girl? No, that story doesn't have to change. I think that my concern there, though, is that if you did have the option to play Link as a girl, then Nintendo would either gender code your uh, romance implications which hopefully wouldn't happen because a lot of guys are also into Link and Breath of the Wild, or else take out all gender Im- uh, romance implications completely. I need my ships. I, they're a fun part of the way that we interact with this series. Yeah. And I, I think that you should definitely have the option to have Link be a girl, but I hope that Nintendo wouldn't find a way to fuck that up. Please don't fuck it up, Nintendo. Please don't fuck it up. God damn it. Damn it. Are, are, did we answer that question to our satisfaction? I think so. Oh, I hope so. Crystal, do you have anything more to add? No, I, I think we did. Okay. This next question comes from Cass. Where does the Legend of Zelda game watch fit in the ty- timeline? I never played the I'm game watch. I'm going to link watch. you to, to the game watch. Okay. Now, this appears to be adorned with art from the Legend of Zelda 2, Adventure of Link. Hmm. Hmm. Four dungeons. That's a really so cool looking color. So it's probably a sequel to Zelda 2. The, the black and pink Aquamentus is always the boss. Oh, so yeah, I guess it's probably just Zelda 2, really. Link, uh, manual excerpt. Link enters a cave. His is defenseless, without any weapons. Link is attacked by crushing iron balls, fero- ferocious f- ferocious bats, and a fire-breathing dragons. There are three typos in two sentences. This does involve Link reassembling the Triforce. It does. So... But there's two games where this Link reassembles a Triforce. It seems like it'd probably be Zelda 2 Link, probably. Yeah, I think I think I think this The Legend of Zelda 8321 is is Zelda 3. Okay, sure. I I, I think of it as um it's Zelda 2 recoded into a form okay. that you'll eventually like make manage to beat. Yeah, it's a D-make into an easier format of the game. Now, 
Let's talk about the other LCD Zelda game, Zelda Game and Watch. Not to not to be confused with the Zelda Watch. Okay. Ambiguously canon content, <laughs> Zelda Gamepedia warns us. Tell us about this. Uh, where's this fit in the time? <laughs> well, t- t- tell us about it, Crystal. Well, it's a multi-screen game and watch game, only released in English, has a standalone system, preloaded with a single game. Uh, the Game & Watch was like a, a series of standalone games that had dual screens, much like the later Nintendo dual-screen handheld. Uh, the core formula is based on the original Legend of Zelda, where Link has to fight through eight dungeons and obtain eight shards of the Triforce of Wisdom. However, it's gameplay-wise more like the Adventure of Link because it's 2D from a side-scrolling perspective. There are eight dragons. Huh. As the eight dragons cannot live in peace with humans, they decide to take over the world. Eventually, they kidnap Princess Zelda and lock her in a dungeon, which can only be opened with the Triforce. Each of the dragons is located in their own labyrinth, and each guards a different fragment of the Triforce. Link sets out to destroy all eight dragons and reassemble the Triforce to free Zelda from the dragon's dungeon. Once Link defeats the last dragon, he reassembles the Triforce and frees Zelda from her prison. If they live in labyrinths, maybe they just, they're just they just housing Zelda in like what they think is a suitable habitat. I don't... I didn't know that Game & Watch games got this elaborate. Like, I had no idea. The uh, Here's the manual. The havoc caused by the eight fierce dragons is increasing day by day. The dragons have refused to live in peace with man and have decided to fight against him to rule the world. Now that your sweetheart, Princess Zelda, has been kidnapped by the evil dragons... You have resolved to destroy the dragons. Cannon the Triforce is the key to the seal that keeps Princess Zelda locked in the dungeon. When you've destroyed the dragon, you can get one of the Triforce fragments. When you have destroyed the eight labyrinths and destroyed the eight dragons, you can complete the Triforce and rescue Princess Zelda. Ah, uh, hmm, okay. I, mm. there's, a, there's a lot of lore to this game. Sweet, sweet, canonical sweetheart. God damn it. <laughs> like you needed more fuel for that fucking fire. Yeah. <laughs> so are these dragons like avatars of the Triforce? Possibly, but then if they are, why are they such dicks? Actually, why are these dragons dicks what? in the first place? Dragons are usually pretty cool in Zelda. They refuse to live in peace with man. Why? They decided to fight against him to rule the world. It was only released in the West, which is interesting. So they're Western dragons. Written by a Western dev team? Sure. Is this... Ah, uh, this is... The developer is listed as Nintendo Research and Development 1. Oh, shit. That's real, then. The, so, that, yeah, did the, we forget to devote an Gunpei episode Yoko. to this? Oh, God. Do we need to have, like, a mini episode? Oh, we should have an entire episode that's devoted to, <laughs> like, the Game & Watch Zelda, Link's Crossbow Training, <sighs> um, the CDI games. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good episode, I think. Sure. The Tingle series? No. No. I, th- I think we about exhausted all the lore in this game. Yeah, but there's... we st- Okay, then. Well, you've left me with Link's crossbow training in the CDI games. Sure. Welcome to that fucking nightmare. And Hyrule Warriors? <laughs> Hyrule Warriors is going to be its own episode. Possibly oh more than one episode. Why? Well, we can't have an episode that's shorter than a collection of all the cutscenes. Okay. Is there anywhere else that we need to read questions from before we get to the email? Oh, yeah. I posted questions in the question document. Oh, that's right. Okay. Holy shit. Okay. We, yeah, we got questions. We definitely did Tim's 
question about scheduling, I think. In this episode. This uh, last episode. I thought you cut it out. No, we, we were going to save it for the next one. Oh, remember? oh, okay. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Okay. Are, are we... Is this an appropriate time to discuss it? We talked about this. Up in the arrow without a hero. Yeah, yeah. This is a perfectly appropriate time then. So Tim asks... Why didn't a hero show up in the era without a hero, necessitating the flooding of at least Hyrule, if not the entire world? Did Link just forget to show up? Why are there Ganons without Links, or vice versa? Do they both just need better scheduling? And as discussed in this episode, um, the chain of Links was damaged by the Ocarina of Time Link being returned to the past. So the spirit of the hero is no longer present in this timeline. Yeah, it had to be re reformed essentially we'll, we'll get to that next episode i think and i i developed a new theory that the spear of the hero saw again was like well i guess it's time to possess a kid the goddesses were like hold on we're gonna flood the world <laughs> <laughs> oh just gonna be dicks oh such a what a reading of the goddesses that you have but i like i like the reading of all the spirits hanging out in heaven and link just lazing about until it's time to reincarnate <laughs> Um, the way that I read it is that a hero may well have appeared, but they did not rise to the occasion. Or if no hero appeared, it's because no one had the courage to face Ganon at the time. Because I don't believe that the hero is actually reincarnated. We've had this long-running theory that there was a link that failed. It's possible. We focus on this a lot for Twilight Princess. Yes. That there was a failed... Do you maybe want to move the fallen hero timeline into the world where Link did appear and killed Ganondorf? No, that's not... So it's not a fallen hero timeline, it's a successful hero timeline. Right. Um, No, I don't think that we see evidence of that happening. It's possible that someone appeared and fought Ganon, but it doesn't matter because if they did, they lost. It seems more likely to me that a hero simply did not appear because when Ganon returned, people were so focused on the idea that a savior would appear that no one had the courage to take up the mantle for themselves. That's a good point. Yeah. Overdependence. Yes. Yeah, that's the gods had to teach him lesson. It's yeah, the gods did it. It's more that um, they were so reliant on the laws and the stories of the past that it muzzled them and made them unable to act in the present. A lesson that Daphnis yes. would not learn from for centuries. Okay. That's it. That's a, that's that's what I say, Tim. Did you cut this question from the I, previous I think episode? That's a, that's a good. That's a good thematic answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so I I posted a thing on Twitter to the effect of Twin Rova made up the Gerudo King concept and make a homunculus every hundred years or so to act as their puppet. And Jasmine Marsh responded with an interesting question. Did the being of Ganon from the curse in the other timeline infest the homunculus in the Ocarina of Time loop? Uh, how about you? You're the only one qualified to answer this, Crystal. Uh, yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> okay. That instead of the accursed timeline being influenced by Ganondorf, it's the other way around. Hmm. And the calamity... Is so powerful that it could cross the realm of dreams into the baby Ganondorf homunculus and infect him. I like the idea that the witches, witches' plans kind of get derailed by, you know, other things popping up. You know, Gerudo men are still born in the time of Breath of the Wild. 
Are they? Yeah, uh, Urbosa mentions it, I think. It's either Urbosa are those... or someone else. She mentions that mm-hmm. at one point there was a Gerudo king, and it doesn't particularly surprise her. No, no, I no, guess. no. Uh, someone, one of the Gerudo, or Gerudo mentions to Link specifically that something is the way it is because it is so rare for Vo to be born to the Gerudo. Oh. But okay. they are still born to the Gerudo. Do you think they're allowed in town? Um, no. They're kicked out. Absolutely. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, this would, in theory, apply to... Uh, we'll get to it in our revisit of Breath of the Wild. Gerudo Town has a lot of weird, fucked up shit about it that would be a really fun, cool bit of world building if it weren't for certain uh, details that are hammered home over and over. But we'll get to that. So this homunculus idea is real interesting, Crystal. It's weird how often your shit posts turn into full conversations. Into well-established well, I theories. Mean, like yes, the there is the gossip stones do imply that Twinrova is has been like manipulating the Gerudo for hundreds of years. D- does it? So this is not too, too far out of line. Is that what the gossip stone says? There's something like that, isn't there? I'm looking that shit up. Yeah, so they just made up the idea that a Gerudo is born every hundred years, but they make one. And they raise him as their own son. And no one's going to question them because they're the oldest guru around. They would know the traditions. Well, they've definitely been uh, brainwashing a whole bunch of people. I don't remember any Gossip Stone specifically saying that, but... Let me look it up, too. Let's see. Huh. Yeah, there's not really a whole ton that's said about... Twin Rova's only used three times in the Ocarina of Time text dump. And... The word witches or witch is only used three or four. Switch is used a bunch, but witch not so much. I can't find anything on here about the gossip stones talking about Twinrova. Mm. I remember as a kid not quite understanding what a surrogate mother was. See, I always imagined that like Twinrova, the combined form, went out, got pregnant, gave birth, and then split back into two people. Wow. Yep. The, okay. I had a very uh <laughs> Well, I and mean, that's why Koma and Kotake are surrogate mothers. Yes. It's like, both of them are described in the singular. Ganondorf's surrogate mother. Now, granted, what that probably means is that they raised him. Yeah. Very hands-on. But um, I was like 11 or 12. So, so you didn't understand surrogate either. I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, my idea is actually closer to what most people usually mean by surrogates, I yeah. think. Mm, I guess. Yeah. What I think that the game probably meant something uh, not quite as standard, but I read it as Twinrova physically carried Ganondorf, and that's pretty much it. I've moved away from that a little bit, but it's still an idea where I go, huh, yep, I can see why I thought that when I was a child. <coughs> Shall we move on? Sure. Have you found anything else in there to support this crystal? No, I, th- I guess I've made it up. That's okay. I, th- I, thought, I thought there was something like that, but... I cannot find anything to support it. Listen, we've talked a lot more about stuff that has much shakier grounding than that. I like the homunculus idea, even if I don't share it. Okay, thank you. Jasmine Marsh asks, If you had to include new NPCs to take the slots of extra sages for missing dungeons from the planning phase, what would the Sheikah or Grudo sages be like after the flood? New species like the Korok and Rito evolved from the baseline. The ancestry cutscenes were my jam, bud. They were our jam, too. Yes. What would the Gerudo and the Sheikah and the Gorons have evolved into? Well, we know the Gorons didn't evolve into anything. They're just Gorons still. Like the what Earth. What if they did? Huh? What, what if they did? Oh. What would they become? Coral. Yeah, coral. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Like, like little coral people. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I like that. Or they've just got like coral growing out of their backs because, like, yeah, that'd be cool. I like that. Uh, and big arm yeah, would be really interesting, like a, like a little, big coral reef. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there'd be coral, and there'd be like an underwater dungeon, and that'd be the water temple. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. What about the Gerudo? I don't think they would evolve in that sense because no. Well. Like, unless their patron god showed up and gave them a different form that would be more suited to living on the sea, I think probably the Gerudo would just be pirates. Yeah, pirates. Yeah. But they wouldn't look different? I don't think so. Why would they need to? Yeah, I mean, we're try- we're just doing a little fun thought experiment. Oh, okay. Here. Well, Mermaids. The- yeah, mermaids. Mer- sure. Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, f- there are no fishmen we'll in this version of it. Siren songs. There's no fishmen in this version of it. There's just uh, Gerudo mermaids. Yeah. And, and the fishmen are the Sheikah. And ev- once it- <laughs> yeah, the fishmen are the Sheikah. <laughs> I was going to say once every hundred years a merman is born, but yeah. Sure. And it's basically just Sidon, only bigger. Uh, wait, no, hold on. They would just be Zora. <laughs> we have the Zora again. We have mermaids in Zelda. They're called no. Zora. Mermaids, mermaids are different. They have to have those shell bras. Oh, they have to have shell bras. Okay. I forgot. So we got the shell. What, so what would their dungeon be? Uh, Shipwreck. Uh, I, I, I want to say that the stuff that was used to make the Earth Temple would probably be attributed more to them. That's true. And we would have gotten something completely different for whatever Medley's dungeon would have been. Which would have been the Fire Temple, probably. Oh, the Sheikah can oh, have the ghost got... ship as a temp- as a dungeon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, the Sheikah are all ghosts. Yeah, they didn't involve. They're, they they're all died. Monica, three for three. <laughs> so proud. Of you. What if Link got a little mermaid tail that gave him swimming powers, like in Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, I was thinking more like a Majora's Mask, but yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there one of the Links where you had like a mermaid? based something maybe they were just flippers there was a mermaid scale you could get in one of the game boy games but that was a trade item mermaids and zelda there are definitely mermaids in zelda i shouldn't say that all mermaids are zora because they're not they're they're in zelda yeah there's mermaids in link's awakening yeah they're super well there's a character of martha also link's awakening is a dream of a fish a whale fish fish whale flying fail there, there are references to mermaids in oracle of ages and phantom hourglass Okay, the Phantom Hourglass is particularly damning because that's definitely canon. No, wait, that was also a dream or a pocket universe. The it, the, the girl Joanne is a fake mermaid who only dresses up like a mermaid, but that me- still means the concept of mermaids <laughs> is is known even if only fictionally because of the uh, interconnected Neroverse. Sorry, O Neroverse. Or or they they just have the myth of mermaids. They could just have the myth of mermaids, I guess. Where am I? <laughs> What's happening? On to the next question. Okay. Yeah, Link does have the mermaid suit in Oracle of Ages. Oh, see? Okay, gotcha. Cool. And King Zora will believe that Link is a mermaid because of the suit. I knew it. Huh. I wonder what Zora think of mermaids. The mermaids are a beautiful union of the two races. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. Part Zora, part Hylian. Close enough. Yeah, the, the King Zora and King Hyrule are distant cousins. Oh, God. Okay, please read the next question, Crystal. Thank you, Jasmine. I thought we were saving Rawls' question. Oh, hold on. Yes. Oh, yeah, we better save this then. Okay, Rawl. We we will get to you, I promise. We're, we're going to do a Rawl. All right. So now it's time for the email. It's email time. 
Uh, this email comes from Jordan. Hello! I saw you wanted questions, topics about Vati for the episode, and some other fans and I have something we think you should touch on. Oh god, that means they're talking to each other. Oh, th- mm, this is... The title is Four Swords Adventures episode, so should we save it? Um, didn't... Oh, right, there is a Four Swords Adventure episode. Yeah, okay, yeah, we should save that. Jordan, we'll get back to you. Okay, sure. I'm going to mark this as unread. Okay. We should probably read it, though. Well, I mean, we can... We. Why do you want to read it now? I'll, I'll mark it with a star. Are those the uh, end of the questions? I think that's the end of the questions. Yeah, that's the end of the questions. We made it to okay. the end of another episode. That's amazing. We did make it to the end of another episode. And uh, uh, I'm going to read Monica's joke that she told us <gasps> last time. Oh, God. I forgot this joke. But first, where can we find you online, Cameron? You can find me on Twitter, at CamWriter. You can find me on Twitter, at ArcaneCrystal. And on you can listen to all our other podcasts at AudioEntropy.com. What's a great AudioEntropy.com podcast? Um, probably the coolest AudioEntropy.com podcast that I haven't personally recommended at this point would be uh, War and Beast, which is about Beast Wars, or for our Canadian listeners, Beasties. Yeah, listen to War and Beast. Listen to the Digital Moncast. Listen to 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 the Baca Cast and to Inside the Master Studio. They're all good podcasts. Now, here is the joke that Monica told us. Ugh. It wasn't intentional. Maybe it was. No. What did King Zora say when he gave Link Nehru's, uh, uh, wait, what was the name of that thing? Pearl? Ne- n- no, the the emblem in Ocarina. Oh, you're killing me. Uh, Zora's oh. Sapphire. Yes. Take two. Okay. Okay. We start the joke over. Take two. <laughs> what did King Zora say when he gave Link Zora's Sapphire? What? You deserve this, Link. You did a good jabun. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Okay. Good. Good. Goodbye, everybody. Maybe I'll see you again. Goodbye, everybody. Okay. Cameron, that, that was your beloved wife's own joke. <laughs>